What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Work Rate Podcast. This is our AEW in review. I am Mike Fenn. I am not joined by Brad this week. Brad is Brad is stuck at work because it is the end of the month, and he's doing 12-hour work days right now. So he's still there at this time, and it is, uh, it is 8 p.m. Eastern time. Brad's still at work. That is... That's tough, so uh, best wishes to him. Um, but yeah, we're, I'm going to uh, jump right into it. This will be naturally a shorter episode because we won't have any back and forth. It'll just be me talking to myself. So uh, this week, we it's not a, a ton of news. We have, obviously, it is uh, WrestleMania weekend, so there's a ton of cool stuff going on. We've got uh, Joey Janela's spring break, as always. We've got Bloodsport, which is going on, I think, as we speak, as I'm recording this. So I'm actually hoping to to watch that afterwards, maybe. I know Brad bought it, and I believe I have access to that. So I think I'm going to peruse that. Um, there's other cool news, I believe. Um, oh, what's it called? Um well, Tokyo Joshi Pro, and what's the the male equivalent? Uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling are on IWTV now, or going forward. So that that's very cool. I actually have that, so I am going to watch some All Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, one of the the major reasons why I haven't watched it before is because it was hard to watch, and maybe this will get some English commentary on there. That would be really cool because their their work is amazing. So uh, that would be fun. I'm especially interested to watch the Joshis, though, because Yamashita is one of the best wrestlers in the world, bar none. So that'll be fun. And those ladies are going to be uh, working with AEW. They have a working relationship, I believe, going forward. So that's very fun. Um, Yeah, so that's cool. Um, We have the uh, Ring of Honor uh, super show happening this weekend. There's a ton of AEW talent on there. I think we may see some storylines maybe weaving their way through both companies a little bit. Um, there was talk a, a week or so ago that Gresham had signed with AEW or was looking like he's going to be signing with AEW and that the, uh, that storyline or his signing would coincide with the uh, with the Ring of Honor uh, event this or tomorrow um, or today at the time that you're listening to this. So that'll be cool. He might be bringing the Ring of Honor Championship to AEW a bit. FTR might be winning the Ring of Honor Championship. We've got Lee Moriarty there. We've got Wheeler Yuta. They're essentially AEW talent in every match, which is very cool. It's essentially an AEW show. Or you could, I guess, sort of consider it their NXT at this point. But super exciting because we've got some matches that we would won't see otherwise. Um, the Briscoes being one of them because they're effectively being blocked from joining AEW by, by Warner because of their... Uh, because of the sketchy things they've said in the past, which is kind of interesting considering the people that are employed by AEW, but that's beside the point. Um, 
yeah, what else do we have? We uh, we got official word essentially that Marco Stunt's contract is not being extended. They said uh, due to budgetary reasons, which is fine because it's a business and the reason why anybody doesn't get renewed by the companies because their uh, their impact on the company and the cost to keep them do- isn't aligned. So yeah, it's a of course they have, but they have every company has a budget, especially a company that is new and fresh as AEW. So yeah, like if you're signing a bunch of these guys, you can't hold on to guys who don't get on TV. It doesn't make any sense. So it's kind of it's kind of a nothing thing. Like contracts end all the time in work in workplaces. So the 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 narrative online that it's the same as AEW cutting people for um, for budgetary reasons. It, like it's it's apples and oranges because AEW is not cutting anybody. They're paying them to the to the end of their contract, and then they're just not renewing them, just like every other workforce or any sports team you've ever watched in your life. It's it's the same thing. People move on. It's uh yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a nothing story, if I'm being honest. I mean, no disrespect to Marco Stunt, but you know what I mean. Okay, so let's get into let's get into this week's this week's episode. This was a fantastic episode, in my opinion. I loved it pretty much the whole way through even the the worst parts of this show were very good at worst um one of those being i thought the first match between punk and caster it didn't really draw me in but it was still very good it was um it showed that uh caster is improving heavily it showed uh cm punk uh still playing old man punk he was he was selling the back from the week before he's still selling that he's old and broken down um max caster came out he did the will smith uh rhyme at the beginning he talked about hunter biden smoking rocks he said that uh cm punk is the voice of the moistless which is probably one of my favorite lines that he's ever done I thought that was very, very funny. Um, yeah, that uh, probably one of his better ones overall. But yeah, this was this was a good match. It didn't really it wasn't so memorable for me personally. Um, Punk won with a pile driver into the Anacon device for the win. Um, Tony Schiavone asked Punk afterwards what was what was all about what was that uh belt gesture you did all about and and punk says tony come on you're smarter than that these fans know what it means and he asks the fans what does that mean and they start uh i don't know what they what the response was you couldn't really tell but they were just pretty much cheering and he says yeah i'm going after i'm going after the title he said by the time i'm done in aw i'll have more gray in my beard I'll have more scars on my head and I'll have been an AW champion. And I think that's really cool. Um, I don't think he's going to beat Adam page when he faces him. I think page is going to beat him. I still think MJF is the guy to take that title off of, um, 
off of Paige. I I just don't see anyone else doing it other than him. And then maybe uh, Punk takes it off of MJF uh, down the line. But yeah, I thought this was cool. I thought that uh, it made Punk's intentions very clear. Um, we're going to be getting that at double or nothing. So uh, Paige is going to, Paige will be able to deal with Adam Cole in the meantime, which is great. I love that they don't do necessarily a three month build for these matches. They have little short term feuds in the meantime. So I like it. This match was good. Probably like a three and a half to four star match. Just nothing to write home about, but very serviceable. And, um, one of a few matches that sort of highlighted the the youth of AW going up against the veterans, really showcasing that AW is in great hands um, into the future. And it should not be uh, understated that I'm playing. I'm currently playing WWE 2K22, and one of the most downloaded. Uh, create a character guys in that game is Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. They're very, very popular. Despite Twitter talking about how corny these guys are, they're, they've got a lot of fans and they're heels and they're getting cheered. So that says it even more, in my opinion. Okay, so next we have a segment with MJF. He's in the back, he's with FTR, he's putting up flyers of of Wardlow, they essentially say Wardlow is banned from the premises. If you see him, call security, yada, yada, yada. MJF is paying him to stay home. Um, FDR tells uh, MJF that, hey man, your feud with Wardlow is your feud. We're cool with him. That has nothing to do with us. We love you. We love Wardlow. We're all family. And MJF tells him, hey man, you know, Wardlow talks a lot of shit behind your back, essentially gaslighting them. Um, just the scum of the earth right here. Um, I love that FTR is turning face. It's really cool. I love, I really love that they are a face tag team within a heel faction. It's like, it's a really interesting dynamic. That's not normally how things work. Like, the turn doesn't normally happen within the faction. Normally they split and then they fight or whatever. And that's going to happen. FDR is certainly going to big rig MJF at some point, and it's going to be great. Um, FTR are so likable, and I'm so glad that I now get to actually cheer for them because I'm somebody who I don't really cheer for the heels, even if I like them. Like, I'll be happy they win, but I won't actively cheer necessarily. I mean, I've never gone to an AEW show in person, so I don't know what I would do in person. But yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I think they will be fantastic baby faces because they're just so charismatic and relatable. They're like folksy heroes. It's, they're They're cool, and I like them. Speaking of folksy heroes... The next match we had Moxley versus somebody that I loathe, Jay Lethal. Um, he was named in the in the uh, speaking out. He is, has many allegations against him, 
or multiple allegations against him. He has, he's had an ongoing lawsuit, uh, about his acts when he was at ring of honor. Um, it's not a secret. Look it up. He's kind of a shit. Um, but he's very good at his job. And this match was amazing, both in part because of Moxley and Jay Lethal. Objectively, Lethal put on a fucking show in this match. Um, I lo- I really enjoyed his constant step overs into the figure four attempts, like switching back and forth with the leg. I thought that was a really cool spot. I have not seen that before. It was very fun. Um, Mox, I thought he groined himself on the top rope. They were battling on the in the corner on the turnbuckle. Um, Jay Lethal kicked him off, and it looked like he groined himself on the top rope. But he, it was actually his knee that he caught, and it looked legitimate. Like it, they made it look real, and then it cut to break. And but Mox looked like he actually got hurt. And then when they came back. Jay Lethal was working the knee. He was working it with dragon screws. He was targeting it. Um, Moxley was limping all around the ring. He tried to hit the paradigm shift a couple times. He couldn't because he couldn't push off on the knee. Really good stuff. Lethal was constantly looking for the figure four. And if he got it, it would have ended the match. Um, It was really a really, really well-constructed match. I... um, it tells you how good it was with me. Like, I don't want to watch a Jay Lethal match. I don't want him in the company, but I got drawn into this. I got hooked by the drama. The storytelling was excellent. The selling was excellent. Um, it wasn't anything that we haven't seen before. Like, they just did Pro Wrestling 101, and it was fantastic. There's a reason why it works. Um, at the beginning of the match, um, Jay Lethal had put out his hand to do the uh, to do the code of honor, which I really love how they're telling this story because when the the Ring of Honor purchase happened, we had um, the code of honor happened in that match, or they talked about it in that match. Um, Danielson said that he didn't want to shake. Um, Christopher Daniels' hand. Instead, he stomped his head in. And then later on, we had um, Regal slapping both uh, both Moxley and Danielson, bringing them in, and Wheeler Yuta extending his hand, them slapping him, um, them saying that they wouldn't shake anybody's hand unless they uh, unless they face them in the ring and earn their respect. Um, so at the beginning of this match, again, that ring of honor thing comes into play. Jay lethal sticks out his hand, Moxley slaps it away. And at the end of the match, um, after he beat Jay lethal, um, Moxley sticks out his hand and shakes Jay lethal's hand. Essentially he earned his respect. I really hope this doesn't mean that Jay lethal is joining the Blackpool, um, fight club. I think that would be unfortunate. However, if the story does make sense, um, because Jay Lethal had a winning streak 
on essentially on dark, but he had a winning streak, but all his big matches he's been losing. And on Rampage he lost and backstage he was talking about how he's been doing everything the right way, but he's been losing. And if this continues, he's going to have to make a, make a change. Essentially, I have to change how I'm going about things. I don't want to turn heel, but maybe I have to get a, vi- a new vicious streak. Or I have to cut some corners. I have to break the rules a bit. So him joining, Black, joining Blackpool, um, going under the, the learning tree of regal and danielson and moxley would make sense for that storyline i just don't want to have i just don't want lethal being in blackpool because it's so cool and i just i don't want to watch him um despite him being very good it's it's just one of those things in wrestling you got to uh you got to stomach some people that you don't like and i can't stomach abusers so fuck jay lethal Okay. Um, One thing that I really did like um, was this uh, Marina Shafir vignette. For those that don't know, Marina Shafir was in NXT. She came in as the, uh, was it the, yeah, it was the, they were just sort of doing like a four horsemen of the USC thing. Sort of like the four horsemen of, or four horsewomen of NXT of WWE. And this was Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, Jessamyn Duke, and Marina Shafir. Uh, Jessamyn Duke and Shafir got released. Um, apparently, they weren't that good in the ring. And that's not necessarily surprising. They were fairly fresh to uh, to wrestling. And I don't think that Ronda Rousey is particularly good either if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I don't think they any of them have had enough time to really learn. However, since Shafir has joined AEW, and she actually joined them a while ago, and I believe has been under contract for a while, but she's been working dark. And I've watched her matches, and they've been very good. Like She has been going out there just looking like a silent assassin killer, just dropping people on their head, choking them out. Um, like the the comparison to Ty Conti is very much there for me, and not in their personality or their characters, because obviously Ty Conti is much more bubbly than Marina Shafir, but in the fact that they both have legit combat backgrounds and they needed more time and more focus than NXT gave them. Then they came to AEW and they've been able to just sort of learn in the background and train up in the background. And it works. Like she had a great, like her first match on dark against Chris Statlander was fantastic. Then she's had, and then she started winning each of her matches afterwards. And she was just, killing people looking like female Samoa Joe out there, like just drop them on their dome. Um, I'm really excited. We got more news about uh, Marina Shafir later on in this episode. I'll get to that later, but I'm very intrigued by her. I think she could be, she could be a Baszler essentially 
if they if they do it right. And um, I think that they absolutely could if they're if they're patient with her and they protect her like they did with Ty Conti. Okay, so next match we have FTR versus um, versus the Gun Club, and I thought this match was great. Um, FTR came out as faces. I finally got to cheer them. The, in my opinion, these are the two best um, intro songs in the company. I hate the uh, the the Gun Club, but their song is fantastic, and they're really good at what they're at what they're doing. They are just the most punchable faces, the most punchable heels in the company. They come out there in like HPK gear, like um, they're doing their their little gun thrusts and everything. Their little yelps, I you, like you just you just want to hate them. Um, and FDR was wearing NWO gear, which was cool. Um, maybe a little tribute to Scott Hall. I don't know, but it's cool. I think they've worn it once before. Um, MJF came out to commentary, so he was obviously uh, like supporting FTR, um, kind of playing almost a face behind the behind at the commentary booth, which was kind of funny. Like he he was a he was a heel commentator cheering on FTR, but FTR were the faces in the match against another heel team. It was very interesting. Like uh, MJF was calling out the cheating of of the guns during this match, which was, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And the, the guns there, there's just absolute shits in this match. At one point, uh, Austin gun goes to make a tag by just walking over the back of Dax as he's, uh, as he's lying on the ground, like walking over him, like he's a balance beam, like just the, the shittiest thing. Like, is just a thing of beauty. Um, as I said, the revolver taunt makes my blood boil. Like it is, it is just the worst. And, uh, that got Cash's blood going or Cash's blood boiling because he responded, he laid out the guns and then he did his own gun taunt with a suck it at the end. But then of course he goes outside the ring immediately gets, uh, cold cocked by Billy Gunn, and, and then he gives them a suck it and says, "Suck it, bitch!" As well, like it, it was, it was wild. It was very Attitude Era, and I kind of appreciated that because um, that's where all the references were coming from. Um, it was cool to see FDR playing faces. It was really kind of like a Bizarro World because they were the ones getting isolated. They were the ones having the ring cut in half against them. They were the ones having the hope spots. Like they were. They had their M.O. done to them, and it was cool. And then Dax got the babyface hot tag, and it was like, it wasn't like the high-flying hot tag that you normally see. He was basically just a pit bull on speed. <laughs> like, it was fucking wild. He just went out there, just like jackhammer chops, fucking headbutts, fucking like, uh, it was just, it was so cool. It was so funny. Um then Wardlow arrives backstage. They show him backstage, and the uh, the security is much less effective in the Carolinas than it was in Texas. He is just laying them out. He put one through a table, like he put one in a garbage can. 
was cool stuff. I don't know where any of the fans were, but that's beside the point. Um, back inside the ring, FTR is breaking out their face moves, which includes their really cool leapfrog breakup of a uh, of a submission hold, which I really like. And then they hit the big rig. They get big, big face reaction. Um, the fans love them. Um, then we have MJF coming into the ring. Uh, or Wardlow actually came out to the ring. There was a bunch of shenanigans there with the security and everything. He never actually made it into the ring. Um, and when MJF came in the ring afterwards, FTR was... They were getting in his face. They're like, your shit with Wardlow is not our shit. We like him. We don't want anything to do with this. It almost costed our it almost cost us this match. Um, this isn't worth it. And then MJF tries to calm them down. He hugs them. He grabs their triple A titles, puts it in their hands, raises their arms, and they sort of reluctantly embrace him. So again, we have the face tag team within the heel faction, which is cool. Like it's a weird dynamic. It's like an Oreo or something. It's like, you got like the good guys on the inside and then like the bad guys on the outside flanking them. It's, it's cool. And I think it's going to lead to some very interesting, uh, very interesting storylines down the road. Oh, another interesting note for ring of honor. Tully Blanchard is managing his new client who is a mystery person in ring of honor against i don't remember who it's against but that's cool i wonder if this will play into anything because ftr is also at that show as well um just another interesting little note because he's obviously not with ftr anymore so that's cool and to see him show up in Ring of Honor is very interesting because he does not have a history there. So obviously, I would assume maybe Tony Khan put him there. So uh, he wouldn't have put him there by just to get like he's not on TV or anything by putting him in Ring of Honor. So it's a uh, it's very interesting. I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see what ramifications that may or may not have with AEW. Okay, so. The the next little thing that we have this was this was awesome. There we have a vignette between uh, like hyping up a match for Friday. It's Hobbs and Keith Lee. I'm so excited for this match. This is this is a really exciting Haas match. We've got two big, athletic, big men. Um, they're going to be slapping meat. Uh, Hobbs says that. Uh, Keith Lee can bask in kissing his ass. I loved it. This match is heavy. It's thick. It's going to be good. I cannot wait. Um, This Rampage is looking really, really fun. I don't know if that's because it's WrestleMania weekend and they want to go big. I'm not sure. Um, I think it... I don't know if the show's competing with the with the Ring of Honor show. I don't think it is because Tony doesn't like to do that. So he doesn't like to compete with himself. So I think maybe because this is on at ten o'clock, maybe Ring of Honor's on at seven. I'm not sure, but it'll be cool. I'm again really excited for that match. Um, okay, next we have 
the Jericho Appreciation Society. And Jericho, he's talking about everyone wants to be in the JAS. He said, we keep laying people out. We keep future endeavoring people. We're, these, we're the sports entertainers. Garcia is wearing a blue cankle hat. He looks like an absolute dipshit. It is the best thing. Lee Moriarty tweeted, uh, Garcia, what's that on your head? It's awesome. I love it. Um, just him calling himself the the sports entertainer when he is the most pro wrestling guy in the company, tapping people out with the sharpshooter. Um, really funny stuff. They talk about how they future endeavored uh, Kingston and Santana and Ortiz. And uh, uh, I think Dad, uh, Daddy Magic, uh, Matt Martell says, Hey, you know what? You want a piece? I'm going to go check behind this, behind this curtain. Is there going to be an Eddie Kingston back here? Hey, no, no Eddie Kingston. Hey, Hager, why don't you check behind that other curtain? Hager opens up the curtain. There's Eddie Kingston and Santana Ortiz. Hager gets hit right between the fucking eyes with a mad ball. I fucking cackled. He goes down like a sack of bricks. We never see him again. Um, actually, we do see him again, but that's beside the point. We didn't see him for a while. Um, so, But that's just a fucking wild brawl ensues. It's three on five. The faces are kicking ass. They are outmanned, but they are battling these guys all the way to the... Uh, to the ring um we got jericho in his purple jacket just getting his ass beat he gets hit with an hurricane um eddie smashes garcia's head off a chair but then the numbers game breaks down uh the jericho appreciation society gets the upper hand Garcia locks in a sharpshooter on Eddie, and while he has the sharpshooter locked in, Jericho is just cracking him in the back of the head with the bat. I was like, what the fuck is going on? It's just a ridiculous beatdown. Eddie gets held up. He gets hit. He gets whipped with a studded belt while they hold him up like he's fucking Jesus Christ. Um, this is like this is the vicious heel shit that we had from uh jericho back when aw first started with the inner circle this is what i like from him um the boos are raining down which is a a big feat because when they first showed up on the screen the fans were cheering them because jericho will always get cheers as soon as he shows up and then he has to do something terrible to get the boos and he was getting booed so this is great um the Jericho Appreciation Society is super over for me, which is incredible because a month ago I was talking about how I wanted Jericho to go away. I was talking about how he was over the hill, how the inner circle needed to break up, how it was holding people back. And now that's the exact story, te- the, the exact story they're telling. Um, they are in on the joke. They are playing WWE within AEW. It's fantastic. It's really good. It's really funny. Um, this was a good beatdown. It was really brutal. I was truly shocked at that sharpshooter with the with the baseball bat spot. I thought that looked disgusting, and that's what you want. Um, this is absolutely getting both um, <laughs> Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Angelo, Cool Hand Ange, over. 
for sure. Like they are through the roof over right now. This is um, instance number three of young guys being elevated by the veterans on the show. Just really great stuff. And I'm super excited to see how this goes going forward because obviously Santana and Ortiz are going to grab two more people to join them for this fight. Maybe we do another blood and guts. Maybe we do a, what's it called? Um, Stadium stampede. That's got to be coming up soon. We're getting into the warmer season and I'm thinking if they can, if Eddie wants to reunite Phoenix and pack or Phoenix and Penta with him, that could work. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we want to just do the two tag teams aligned with Eddie Kingston again, because he kind of already did that. So it might be a bit of a rehash, but they're going to have to call on some people. And I think I might know of one who could come in and be a, actually, mm, I don't know if it would work, but maybe, maybe Claudio, uh, the formerly or AKA um, Cesaro might be coming in. Uh, Eddie Kingston actually did tweet about, um, about Claudio um, recently because for the longest time, Eddie Kingston has talked about how he hated Claudio about how they used to be roommates, but he hates them. He will never work with them. He hates that guy. And, the reason why he does that is because, or why he says that, it's not because he actually hates him. Eddie Kingston just lives and dies by kayfabe. Um, he he uses it. He thinks it's fun. Um, when Eddie Kingston plays video games on stream, he's in kayfabe. He talks about how he hates certain people within AEW because he's feuding with them, or because he doesn't like how they act. And he and... Claudio had a trilogy had a long feud and trilogy of matches when they were in Shikara together. And as far as Eddie's concerned, that is not resolved. And he said in this tweet, he said, he said, I hate Claudio, but I would love for him to join AEW so I can beat his ass. So there you go. He's excited. Like he, like he he wants to reignite this old flame that they had, and uh, I think that'd be great. I think it would be cool for them to come in and be sort of like reluctant, um, a reluctant team with each other for a bit. Claudio would actually be a cool person to have in Jericho's thing as well. Coming from WWE, I think that would be interesting as well. Maybe double cross Eddie. I don't know. We'll see. Just a little uh, fantasy booking there, but uh, yeah, I think I think Claudia's probably a shoe in to join AEW at some point because everyone else from Shikara is there, <laughs> like literally everybody who's still in the business. Um, okay, so next we had Jade Cargill talking to Mark Sterling, and they're talking about her thirtieth victory, and we talked last week about how um, Brad and I were were pretty excited about, were intrigued by this match because they wouldn't be talking about this match if it wasn't someone cool that she would be facing. It's not just going to be another squash match. And Jay Cargill asks Mark, or she says, okay, so 
you've nailed it, nailed it down to two people and you've come to your decision. Who's my 30th win going to be against? This needs to be a big deal. He says, we got the perfect person. We have the librarian and in comes Leva Bates and Jay Cargill is so pissed. And she's like, I'm not facing this trash. This is not going to be a joke. I want to face a real person. And Leva Bates like, gets the sad look on her face. She walks off. Credit to Leva Bates because she's a longtime uh, employee and talent of AEW. And it didn't go well in the wrestling department. And they understood that. They got her a backstage role. She's a producer. She just lost this shit there. So using her as a comedy bit, as a self-aware comedy bit, was really good here, I thought. I thought this was uh, well done. And then Jade says, so who is the other person then? Who's the other option? And Mark Sterling goes, uh, uh, Marina Shafir. And he says it under his breath. And Jade's like, okay, sure, great. Like, obviously, Jade is underestimating her. She thinks that she can easily beat her. I think she will beat Marina Shafir, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I think they have been holding Shafir back for this very specific moment for a big match. I don't know when this match is. Again, I think I feel like Battle of the Belts is coming up soon because I've heard people talking about like mentioning that show. So I don't know when this is taking place, maybe it's going to be next week on dynamite. Cause we only have one match for that show so far. So maybe that's where it's going to be, but yeah, that match is going to be hard as hell. As I said, Marina Shafir is a killer. I'm hoping she shows well. Um, Cause she has on, on dark against lesser talents than, uh, than Jade Cargill. So I'm, I'm expecting a great match between the two. Um, I think it's going to be really cool. She She's a legit badass. Um, it's tough that she's going to be handed her first loss, but you never know. Maybe she beats Jade. Who knows? Because that's another thing we were speculating is with them talking up like how this 30th win is such a shoe-in for Jade. They're planning the party. That's often when somebody loses. So maybe this is a shock loss for Jade. I don't think it's going to be, but you never know. Maybe they think they have something in Shafir. And I personally think they do, but I don't know if she will necessarily translate. You gotta you gotta know that the person's gonna get over. And that we definitely do not know yet. Ah, excuse me, just having some water. Okay. Okay, so next match. This is no word of a lie. My favorite match of the year. Um, out of all the matches I've seen, and I know I'm shortchanging some matches, and this is certainly some recency bias, but Danielson versus Wheeler Yuta is my match of the year so far. I loved this match. This was the story that they've been telling with Wheeler Yuta and the way that they've been telling it has gotten him over with the crowd. And when you think about when Wheeler Yuta first came in with the company, I think what, what was it like three, four months ago? Um, he, or I don't know what it was. 
but maybe it was uh, longer than that. But anyways, he was not over. I know who he was because I had watched him on the indies. I have an IWTV subscription, so I've seen him. I saw him when he was the IWTV champion. I saw him when he was going for 45 minutes with Lee Moriarty. I watched him when he went an hour with Daniel Garcia. I watched him defend that title all over the United States. I knew what he could do. I'd seen him put on absolute clinics, and he hadn't gotten to show that yet in AEW. And I've been begging for them to show it in AEW because the way that you get people over is to let them win over the crowd. And you do that with your matches. And in this case, also with the story they're telling with the uh, with Yuta and Moxley and Danielson and Regal, it's very effective so far. And, and the fans love a good underdog. They love a spunky underdog. They love a dog who's not afraid. Kind of like what um, Darby Allen was like, like stick, constantly sticking his nose in the face of the of the uh, the upper card of AEW and constantly getting slapped and pushed down, but he keeps coming back, he keeps coming back, and he keeps getting better every time, getting a little more offense in each match. Because, um, yeah, this story started like before Danielson even joined AEW, before Moxley went to rehab. It started when Yuta face John Moxley. This is when John Moxley was heading toward a heel turn. Um he faced Wheeler Yuta. He got Yuta got beaten in about twenty seconds. He got dropped on his head with a uh with a paradigm shift that looked like it cave that looked like it shoot knocked him out. Um now it looks like it was Kayfabe because he got destroyed twenty seconds in that match. Um we were like wow Yuta was over his head in this match. Then the next match he has with Mox, he surprises everybody. He gets a little bit more offense in. He counters the uh, the paradigm shift. He earns more of Moxley's respect, and he gets in uh, Regal's face at the end and shakes his hand, and Regal appreciates his guts. Then he comes to this match, and he's even better this time. This time he's facing Danielson, and he went toe to toe with Danielson. Um, he had he had Tony Schiavone's respect. He had Regal's respect during this match. They kept putting him over. The crowd was chanting Yuta's name. Um, he's going toe to toe with Danielson on the mat. On the mat, they're going back and forth. Um, they're going chop for chop. Yuta's chest looks like Danielson's does. It's all red and puffy and starting to bleed. Um, uh, Danielson hit Yuta with the Nyla Rose draping knee. Tisk tisk. That's a little gimmick infringement. I'm kidding, of course. Um, but yeah, I was watching this match and just... As Shivani said and as Regal said, we were watching it a star being born in front of our eyes. And it was a star I knew was there because I'd seen him go before. And even this is still just a, maybe like, this is like three quarters of the Yuta that I've seen, or like half of the Yuta that I've seen. We haven't even seen his finisher. 
he hasn't even used that in AEW yet. I keep talking about this. The Utilock. It is a really cool fucking move. And he has not used it yet. And I cannot wait for him to do so. Um, Danielson gets Yuta in the elbows where he gets gets him locked. He's hammering him with the with the elbows on the collarbone. And Yuta looks like he's fading, but then he counters it and he starts hammering Danielson with those same elbows. And Danielson is losing his mind. Eventually, he gets him into the cattle mutilation and Yuta again gets out of that. And Danielson again, he's shitting bricks. He's getting pissed. Um, he gets uh, he gets Yuta into the uh, he's about to kick his head in. Uh, kick his fucking head in and Yuta from the ground spits in Danielson's face and you can see just the rage go over his face and then he just knocks Yuta out cold with those kicks then he picks him up just a limp dead body hits him with a gotch style pile driver and then puts him in the labelle lock he's already out the ref uh, ref calls it JR is pissed that the ref even let it, the match go on um Regal on commentary. Regal says that he's very impressed by what uh, Yuta showed in this match. He said, "This is the type of guy that we can get behind." Um, yeah, this was this was big time Utes in this match. Give me Utes in Blackpool. I need it. This is my match of the year. I loved every second of it. Um, this is what I wanted. When we saw Yuta and Garcia and Moriarty um, coming into the company, and we're going to see more guys like this. There's a few guys still like this in um, in Ring of Honor. Their TV championship is like this, but he's a bigger guy. I can't remember his name. His last name is Woods. Um, he's very good. I think that is who that's who Yuta's facing. So that'll be a good match. He's a he's a hard nosed dude. Um, yeah, just uh, this is great. This is great stuff. I cannot wait, and I think Yuda will join them. And I was talking to Brad over the this past week when Gresham was there. Was I believe it was from uh, Sean Ross Sapp with Fightful? He said that uh, AEW. It looks like they're breaking in. Gresham. It looks like uh, that development will start will be a tie-in with the Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor show. And and then I got thinking that because um, every when the first like when the Danielson Dojo stuff was being pitched and the people were talking, they were talking about Garcia and Moriarty and Yuta. Um more Moriarty stuck out to me as somebody that didn't fit and not in his ring work, but in his personality, like Moxley and Danielson and Regal are hard nosed guys and they want hard people. And Moriarty is so friendly and happy go lucky. And he's just, he's a good guy. He's affable. He's a face. Whereas those guys are heels. So it's not so much a fit for me. I feel like he would clash there. He's not going to bring the violence that they want. He'll bring the skill that they want, but not the violence. Somebody who's the same way as Moriarty is Jonathan Gresham. 
he's affable, he's friendly, he's he's pure. Um, the the pure uh, wrestling championship, the pure wrestling style, very much uh, in the Moriarty's very much in that mold. Um, I believe that uh, Gresham taking Moriarty under his wing and sort of rivaling um, the Blackpool guys with their meaner, more aggressive style would be a fantastic storyline. And then you mix in the JAS guys as well, and you can sort of have like a three. There's so much you can do there. I'm rambling, but that I'm really excited about uh, that possibility. I want that to be a thing. Please, please, please do that. Give me that. Um, it'll be good. Trust. Okay, so next we have the championship celebration, and this is the newly coined Undisputed Elite. Uh, that is Adam Cole and Red Dragon. Good name. I kind of, I talked with Brad about this before, how I don't really like AW shoehorning the name Elite into everything. They shoehorn it into all their merch. It was like, uh, like Danhausen's first shirt was like very evil, very elite. I think that's kind of cheesy. Um, they put elite on everybody's shirt. Uh, I don't, I don't like it. So normally I would hate this, but now you have, you can do the feud between the undisputed elite versus the original elite, sort of like the bullet club feuds where you have the, uh, the OG Bullet Club versus the the new school guys, and they can fight over who is uh, who's the real the real team. It's like Wolfpack versus versus OG NWO. There's always something good to be done there, and I think uh, so. Hopefully, that means that we're going to be getting Kenny back soon. I don't know. He. Sounds like he's still he's still recovering. He still has more surgeries to have. The one good thing is that hernia surgery, just based off my dad's surgery in the past, you can come back from that fairly soon. Not like soon, but like compared to the knee or compared to the shoulder, like it's not as bad. Although it is just putting back together your abs, so that's that's kind of gross. Any, but anyways. So we have the championship celebration. We have the undisputed elite. They come down to the ring. They've got the belts. The belts, uh, the nameplates are taped over where it says Adam Cole on it. And it says Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish over the nameplates, which is very funny. Um, just like mask and tape and Sharpie. Um, they have a cardboard box that just has says like party supplies on it or something. They open it up and five shitty gold balloons fly out of it, which is again, super funny. Um, uh, they talk about how hangman and the Jurassic express aren't there that night. Cause they were embarrassed because they got the belts taken from them. They didn't get them stolen. They got them taken from them because they're not real champions. They're babies. They don't deserve the belts. Um, O'Reilly says that he looks around and he sees a lot of haters uh, he's, he sees people saying that Red Dragon isn't ranked high enough. They shouldn't have the belts. Um, then O'Reilly kind of forgets what he's saying, and he tries to get through it. He can't quite remember. And then he's like, oh, man, I I drank too much bubbly in the, mac- 
in the back. I I just got to sit down, guys. He sits down, puts his head between his legs, and that he just stays like that for the rest of the segment, which is super funny. Um, I loved it. And then they talk about or Fish and Cole talk about how they're 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 the best team. They're gonna party all week long with these belts, yada yada yada. And then Hangman shows up in his in a Tesla with bullhorns on it which is really funny because he's just coming in like uh progressive fucking Bradshaw Layfield out there. He comes out of that fucking car. He comes down the ring. He's whooping ass. Um, undisputed, undisputed era scamper away, but they get caught on the rampway by Jurassic Express and Christian. They get beaten down some more. Cole gets thrown into the ring. He gets almost hit with the buckshot lariat. He gets out as he has the past few times they've interacted. This was fun. It was uh, probably actually the weakest segment of the night, which says something, because it was entertaining still. Um, The Carl O'Reilly stuff in particular, I thought was hilarious. The stuff with the belts was hilarious. I just, uh, I kind of hoped that they would keep the belts a little longer, because Cole was doing some funny stuff. Cole was on, like, Good Morning America with that belt. Super funny stuff. Um, just, I, I need more of that. I want him to keep it for like three weeks and have uh, Hangman trying to get it back and Cole being a little shit and Cole looking too small to hold that belt. Um, really funny. Good stuff. I want more of it. Okay, so next we had Rosa. She's back. She's being interviewed by Tony Schiavone again. This time it went better than last week. Sorry, just getting... Oh, shit. Just smacking my water bottle off something. Hope you didn't hear that. Okay, so... Yeah, this was uh, this was much better than last week. Uh, Tony Schiavone says right at the beginning, basically he was like, yeah, uh, she's not going to get interrupted this time. Uh, we're not going to do any of that racist shit this time. Uh, sorry about that. Um, Thunder Rosa, what do you have to say? And Thunder Rosa says that she's the first Mexican, Mexican-born wrestler to win the women's AEW title. I think maybe the first Mexican wrestler to win a major um, title in the United States singles title. Um, woman. So, cool. I don't know exactly what the details are or what the, uh, like, uh, what exactly she was referring to, if it was just women or women in AEW or singles or what, but cool. I love that. I love hearing that. She's awesome. She says that she doesn't want to just be the face of the division. She wants to be the face of all women's wrestling. Um, she said that, uh, pillars get knocked down, but foundation, but foundations, uh, remain standing. She tells Nyla to do the talking herself unless she want unless she intends to have Vicky keep dumbing down things for her, which I really liked. This pretty much burying uh Vicky there, which was cool, considering what she said last week, which was absolutely fucked. Um and to me it kind of sounded like Thunder Rosa might be taking this belt on the road when she talked about how she wanted to be uh, the foundation of women's wrestling on the whole, 
We do know that she has a women's promotion, Mission Pro Wrestling. I don't think she's taking it there. But maybe she takes this belt to Ring of Honor, defends it there a bit. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe she takes it to Impact, defends it there for a moment. Maybe she does a little bit of the Kenny Omega thing. Not that she's going to um, spend a ton of time there, but maybe she just takes up challenges. Maybe she faces Deanna Perrazzo. Who knows? Because apparently Deanna Perrazzo is going to be facing the winner of the women's title match at Ring of Honor this weekend. Deanna Perrazzo is going to be facing there, but maybe Thunderosa at some point mixes in with Ring of Honor. Maybe I'm talking too much about Ring of Honor. Like maybe uh, AW is not going to get too involved in that, but I mean, half their show is AW talent. So I don't know. It's kind of. It's kind of in canon. Um, AEW did mention Ring of Honor on the air this time during the Wheeler Yuta match, so we'll see what we'll see what happens. Because it did sound like she kind of wanted to take the belt kind of global, if that makes sense. Maybe take it to Tokyo Joshi Pro because they're they have they have a working agreement now, so they can go there because. Yeah, they're working with DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro, and yeah, really cool shit, really cool stuff. I'm uh, very excited. Okay, so now we have FTR in the back, and they're talking about how people think they take themselves too seriously, but this is serious to them. This is essentially a family business for them. They're the AEW. They're the A. They're the AAA champs. On Friday, they're going to be the Ring of Honor champs. Soon, they'll be the AEW champs. And you know what? But before all of that, they they want to put out the challenge to the Bucks so they can finally decide who's the best uh, tag team in the world. Let's do... Let's run it back. FTR versus Bucks one more time. This is very exciting. I'm really excited to see face FTR versus heel Bucks. I think that's cool. I want that. Um... Give it to me. It'll be cool. It'll be really cool. Um, FTR is one of my favorite things in AEW. Once again, I'm glad that they're shining again. And Dax in particular is incredible right now. I think, as I said on last week's podcast, he's one of, I think he's one of the top 10 wrestlers in the world at this point. Um, very underrated. Um, I think he's almost better as a singles guy than he is as a tag team wrestler, and he's a phenomenal tag team wrestler. Um, yeah, really cool. So next, the big story of the night, sort of heading into this, was that, or into, heading into this episode, was that the Bunny is going to be facing a new free agent signing, and that was going to be obviously a woman, and it people were speculating it could be athena unlikely it could be i mean possible but unlikely tony storm in my opinion very likely because there were rumors that aw wanted to sign her and some people were mentioning mia yim but nobody nobody had actually talked about mia yim being rumored to be signing so i mean it was possible but unlikely and it was tony storm Tony comes out, she gets a huge pop. I'm really excited to see her because people kind of forget uh like five about five years ago, 
maybe less than that. But when she was on the Indies, she was basically the top woman in the world at that point. She was all over the UK. She was all over the Indies. She was in stardom holding their top title. That, like, very, very few Gaijin women have ever held that title. And she held it for a while. She did, uh, she did the, um, Minoru Suzuki entrance with the fucking, uh, the black towel on. She did the, uh, Kazai Nare it with the Tokyo Joshi Pro fans. They popped for it. They loved her there. She held that title for a while before she dropped it essentially to come to uh, WWE, where they did an okay job with her. But she, there's my dog, if you heard him coming down the stairs. Um, but he was, or she kind of. They kind of fucked her up a little bit and then she went to the main roster and they really fucked her up and then they didn't use her properly and that was I don't know why because she's a ready-made star like when she's one of those people when they signed her they were like oh well she in two years time she's going to be the champ kind of thing and they didn't even have her on TV and when they did she was doing like pie stuff and I don't know just bad stuff um, but yeah, she's with AW now. And to be honest, I didn't actually think this match was that great. Um, I don't know why, uh, she hasn't wrestled in a while. Maybe that's why, but she didn't seem bad by any stretch. Neither did the bunny. Um, they both work a fairly stiff style. So I thought it was going to, they were going to gel a little bit, but maybe it was nerves. It's her first time back out there, but I mean, Tony really lays her shit in. She throws some mean fucking elbows, which, again, she worked in Japan. You got to be able to throw the strikes there, and she can do that. Um, I really, really liked the spot where um, the bunny hit uh, Tony Storm with two straight uh, super kicks or thrust kicks to the face, and Tony Storm just ate those and then went flat back on the ground. Super good sell. She took those super kicks better than anyone I've seen. Really cool stuff. The only person who can take that shit better is Orange Cassidy because he looks like he fucking dies. Um, I'm really excited to see um, Tony Storm versus Ruby Soho. I don't know if they actually ever face each other. I think they their styles would work well together. Um, obviously, their aesthetic works well together, but that's not important. Um, but again, they both work a fairly stiff style and i think that would work well um and i love that tony storm's finish is just a quick short pile driver it's fucking sick i love that um i don't wish uh, brad's not here so i can't ask him but i'm curious if she was ever able to do that move in wwe because they don't let you do pile drivers there and it's called the Storm Zero, and I was just looking in WWE 2K22, and her move in that game, because she's still in it, which is funny, is the Storm Zero. So I don't really understand. I'm, maybe they just uh, um, gave her back her old finish and just switched the name over. Anyways, I love that someone just has a short pile driver for a win for finish. I think it's sick. I'm excited. Um, I think she's going to be great. I think she's going to 
hold a title within the year. And I mean, I've said that a lot about a lot of these people coming in, but yeah, good stuff. Um, the women's division can always use more top talent depth because as we've kind of seen when they bring some of these top women in, like with Ruby Soho, I've heard some people being like, Oh, where's Ruby Soho? She has been on TV for two months. The two months that she was the, her first two months, she wrestled pretty much every dynamite and every rampage or was on every show, like all the time to the point where she was getting oversaturated and she had two big high profile losses in two title matches. So they kind of had to keep her off TV for a while. That's essentially what's happening. Um, because the division is shallow and you can't just keep pushing people and having them lose if they're not going to be winning titles. And because we kind of saw that with Nyla Rose early on, Nyla Rose was very, was pushed very heavily to the point where the fans starting to started to revolt against her and got really, really mad at her final um, or at her, one of her title defenses against Sheeta. People were fucking pissed. And then she went away for a while and people were like, Oh, where's Nyla Rose? Why don't they push Nyla Rose? And like, because you guys were being assholes. <laughs> you, sometimes somebody has to go away for a bit so that they can uh, come back and get reestablished as opposed to just losing all their big matches. Kind of like what we see with Archer. Like you can't just have him continue to lose. He's got to go away so that he can come back and maybe pick up a win, but probably lose again. Um, yeah. Cause if like Soho is somebody that's always going to be in the main event picture. And if there's someone else that you want as the champion, she's going to be eating losses. So you got to kind of hold her back a little bit, especially when the division is as shallow as it is, because there's there's still not that many women in it. Um, Yeah. So speaking of this women's division, though, we got another segment from Vicky and Nyla. Thank God we actually couldn't hear Vicky this time. So that's probably a blessing. Um, And then we got Nyla and Nyla says that she has been the foundation of aw since day one which is kind of what i was talking about she has uh she's not wrong um and then she says that if thunder rosa has a death wish she'll happily be her genie abracadabra bitch really fucking good this is awesome get vicky out of here we don't need her um we don't need her weird republican fucking talking points it's uncomfortable. Nobody likes it. Jericho even knows enough not to drop that shit on the air. I don't know why Vicky thought it was time to do that last week. Um, but yeah, we don't need that. She's she doesn't need to be aligned with Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose is one of the best talkers in the company. Let her talk. She's very funny. She's a better talker than Vicky. It's redundant. Just fucking move on. Okay, and speaking of someone else who moved on from Vicky, Andrade versus Darby Allen. This match was awesome. This was really cool. It the match was exactly how I wanted it to be. We didn't get a lot of interference. We barely got any interference. Um Andrade versus Darby, it was it's ba- I mean, I've been playing a lot of Elden Ring and it's kind of like the 
kind of like the little main character going up a up against a big Elden Ring boss, getting a bunch of little moves in, and then the boss just hitting them with some devastating spinning one hit combo or like two hit combo to just ruin the other guy. It was amazing. Andrade hit a damn torneo before the bell even rang, just flattening Darby and didn't let up from this point from that point forward. He just beat Darby's ass for 14 minutes of a 15 minute match. He fucking banged Darby off the stairs like a drum uh, after he caught him off a tope or some shit and just fucking bounced him off the stairs. And Darby's first move happened at like the 14 minute mark. It was a code red. Then he got a few other little moves in and then they had this amazing slap exchange where they were just like, just paint brushing each other, just fucking throwing haymakers. And I'm watching this and the whole time I'm thinking, please knock Darby out. Please knock Darby out. And of course, thank God Andrade hits Darby in the face and Darby goes down dead body. I loved it. Really great selling. Um, and he picks Darby up. I think there's some other shenanigans. The uh, HFO ended up coming down there. Um, Dar- um, we had uh, we had Jose running down. There was a little bit of a, a schmoz. Darby jumped onto the uh, jumped onto the pile, knocked them out. Comes back in the ring, gets laid out by Andrade. Gets hit with the. Uh, can't remember what his move is called. It might be just called El Idolo. Um, but it's the like that arm capture DDT. Um, lays him out. One, two, three. Darby loses because Darby can lose because it doesn't hurt him ever. That's just his character. He could lose forever and it really doesn't matter because he's the little engine that could. And Andrade gets a big victory, which he did need. Um so he moves forward. Um, I would like to see him in a title picture at some point soon. Um, but there's so many new singles guys there now that he can just face whoever. Um, like, put him in a feud with Swerve. Put him in a feud with Keith Lee. Put him in a feud with anyone from HF or not HFO. Anyone from Team Taz. Any of the faces. Like, there's there's so many people in the company now. House of Black. Like, just on and on and on. Um, they're kind of all heels that I was mentioning, but that's beside the point. I guess Swerve's not a heel. Um, but yeah, really cool stuff. Um, I loved it. Really cool main event. Andrade looked like an absolute beast. He's over now. He's super over. Um, yeah, so looking on to next week, we have the Bucks versus Top Flight. Round two. That's going to be great. This is sort of a, some, I guess a match that has come off the, uh, off the ending of the, uh, tag team battle Royale where, uh, Matt Jackson low blowed, um, Darius. Yeah. Darius Martin to, uh, to win the match. So we're getting bucks versus top flight. That's awesome. This is going to be really good. Top Flight's going to get over. And this is on Rampage. That's dope. Um, then we have House of Black versus Fuego Del Sol and the Dark Order, which is Grayson and Uno. 
this is cool. This is going to be awesome. House of Black is going to have a... They're, first of all, they're going to destroy Fuego. But then Evil Uno and Stu Grayson can have a hell of a match with any of those guys in House of Black. Really cool stuff. I can't wait to see what Grayson can do with like Buddy Murphy or what Grayson can do with um, Malachi Black. Just... Oh, fuck. See what he can do with uh, Brody. I want to see him try and pick Brody up on his back because he loves to pick up the big guys. Um, we need, honestly, we need more Grayson in AEW. Um, he had that one really cool. Uh, he had a really interesting promo or rant on BTE a few weeks ago where he was yelling at Adam Page about how Adam Page is getting all these title shots, but uh, um, Grayson is just in the background and catering on BTE, um, coming down to save Hangman's butt, but isn't actually getting any matches, isn't getting any title shots, isn't getting sort of the, the Chris Jericho scenario with Santana Ortiz, so I thought that was interesting. Then we have Hater versus Sky Blue in a, another qualifier for the Owen Hart um, match. Again, sorry, I forgot to mention this earlier. That was the Bunny Tony Storm uh, match was also a qualifier. So Hater is going to destroy Sky Blue, poor Sky Blue. And um, I wish it wasn't so easy to see who's going to win this match, but it is what it is. And then we have Hobbs versus Keith Lee, which is going to be fantastic. I don't know how they fit this all one, two, three, four matches in an hour, but we'll see. Uh, maybe they go over. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this looks very good. Um, I cannot wait. This, uh, honestly, you put... This is this is great. This is a fantastic rampage. Some rampages I have been able to skip and not feel like I have to go back to watch what happened. This looks like must see TV, so I'm very excited. And I get, I think maybe Tony Khan understands that on Friday, people are going to be watching all kinds of wrestling. They're going to be watching Ring of Honor. They're going to be watching WWE. They're going to be watching the indie shows. They're going to be there's going to be all kinds of shit happening. So they gotta come out with their big guns, and I think that's why we're getting Bucks versus Top Flight and Hobbs versus Keith Lee and in the House of Black versus Dark Order. And then next week we have Butcher and the Blade versus the Hardys in a tables match, and I've been seeing some people commenting on i don't i'll have to ask brad what he thinks of this but some people were have been commenting on uh jeff hardy's swanton saying that it is not as crisp as it used to be and that he's just pancaking guys was is it worse than it used to be like uh he doesn't look any bigger than he was before it looked pretty crisp to me but i guess i don't know maybe uh Maybe the landing's not as great as it was. I know that uh, he looks like he, he's been holding his ribs when he comes up from them, so maybe his body can't take it anymore, but I don't know. I think it looked pretty cool, but I will uh, see what Brad thinks. If Brad's home now from work, we'll see. I don't know. Okay, uh, how long have I been going? 
an hour and 15 minutes. Holy shit. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Enjoy your wrestling. It's a big weekend of wrestling. Um, Take it all in moderation, because you can oversaturate yourself, try and hydrate. Um, And uh, enjoy!